Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody. It really is a great day to be together. Really, any time we can get together is a great time. And I'm so thankful that we're here to worship uh, together. So thank you for being here. And especially if you're visiting, we thank you for being here this morning. It's the first Sunday of the month. And so that means we're focusing on our theme uh, of the year, which is less of me in 2023. And it's a focus on humility. And before I get started, I just wanted to mention very quickly, we still have um, several t-shirts left for our theme. I've actually got one here, just so everybody can put eyes on it. Um, If you want one, please uh, see me. Uh, It's got our logo on the front and on the back. It's got our theme verse, uh, John 3, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. If you would like one of these t-shirts, you can see me out in the foyer. They're $15 each. We have several left over. Uh, So we'd really like to see those uh, be gone and worn by everybody. Um, So if you want one, just see me in the foyer after service. But uh, just want to make everybody aware that we have some of those t-shirts left. I also wanted to say very quickly, a lot of this material I'm going to be using this morning uh, came from a booklet that we used at Gulf Coast Bible Camp uh, several years ago. I believe it was at middle school week. uh, Eric Gray, our former youth minister and the preacher over at uh, Scenic Hills at the time, Uh, Kyle Rye put together some class material, Bible class material, and a lot of this comes from that booklet, so I had to give credit where credit is due here. I really appreciate appreciate that. So we're going to be talking again about our theme, and I wanted to start off by talking about a disease. There's a disease that has claimed the lives of billions and billions of people over the centuries, and it's one that it really affects affects so many today, really everybody in some way. And no, I'm not talking about cancer. No, I'm not talking about heart disease. No, I'm not talking about Alzheimer's or uh, COVID, even though I guess COVID is classified as a virus. Uh, I'm not sure what the difference is really between a virus and a disease. But anyways, um, it's not any of those things. What I'm talking about this morning is eye disease. And not the eyes that you see with, I disease, me disease, maybe we could say. We all have this problem, and it's not an actual disease, but it is a problem. We all have this issue with focusing on ourselves, with being selfish, with being self-absorbed. And we can look inward and, and forget everything else on the outside of ourselves. We all struggle with this battle. And unfortunately, for many people, we become the God of our lives instead of allowing God to be the God of our lives. We all struggle with this selfishness. We all struggle with denying ourselves. But that's actually the cure for this disease, this problem of selfishness is self-denial. That's what we have to, to get to is to deny ourselves. And this is a, a, a thing that we see a, a principle in scripture that Jesus himself teaches about denying ourselves we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 16 where we we see this our our text for the morning this uh, topic of denying ourselves in Matthew chapter 16 verses 21 to 23 the text says this from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. 
But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God, God's interests, but man's. Jesus was telling his, his uh, disciples, I'm going to go and suffer in Jerusalem. And, and the elders and the chief priests are going to mistreat me. And Peter didn't, Peter didn't like that. He, he said, no, God forbid that that happened to you, Lord. To you, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And you see that sharp rebuke that Jesus gave Peter. Because what? He was setting his mind on man's interests. He wanted his will to prevail instead of God's plan, instead of God's will. And Jesus rebuked him and said, you've got to be thinking about God's plan, not your own. And Jesus continues on, actually, in the next few verses with, with actually saying, deny, our, deny yourself. He says this in verses 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole wor world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And so after rebuking Peter for, for setting his mind on, on his plans instead of God's, he then tells his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, they have to deny themselves. And what basically he's saying there is, is we've got to set aside our wants, our desires, our will for his. We've got to put aside our, our selfish desires and our selfishness and put him on, put his plan for our lives on. And, and that takes a lot of humility. And that's what we're talking about this whole year is being humble and showing humility because it's hard for us. It, it goes against our nature to allow someone else to control us. But that's really what we're talking about this morning is denying ourselves. And when you think about denying something, you're, you're not allowing access to something. And we're not allowing access to our own desires, our own will. We're allowing God to take the control. It's an emptying of ourselves for Jesus Christ. And then he says we have to take up our, our cross. And it's a similar idea. And, and today the cross is seen as a symbol of hope, and absolutely, because that's where Jesus bore our sins. But to those who, G, who Jesus was talking to, the cross meant one thing, death. It meant a, a terrible death. That was the, the Romans' killing machine, basically, was a, was a cross. And so they understood the message. He's saying, you have to die to yourself. You no longer live for, for you, you live for him. Yourself is crucified, your old self, and you walk in a new life. Simply put, Jesus is telling us that this life is not about us. It's about him and what he can do in us. That's what it's all about. It's easy for us to let the world revolve around us and think that everything is, is kind of rotating around us. Because that's just sometimes how we are. We, we can be selfish but Jesus is saying, it's, it's, about, it's about me. It's about the Father and what amazing things we can do in you if you will submit to us. If you will submit to, to me and, and the Father, things will never be the same. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. Four points to help us better understand self-denial. What are some things that we can talk about to help us understand self-denial? Number one, self-denial recognizes that he must increase, but I must decrease. 
And again, this is our theme verse for the year. And David has already talked about this in the first lesson back in January. And so we'll try to move through this one quickly. But I do want to reiterate this because it's so very important. And again, it's our theme verse. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is found in John chapter 3. And we're going to actually pick up uh, well before this verse. This is verse uh, uh, 30 of John chapter 3. But before this, uh, there's a, a bit of a complaint from John's disciples. John the Baptist is the one who says he must increase, Christ must increase, and I must decrease. If we look in the text, in John chapter 3, starting at verse 22, here's what it says. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John, that's John the Baptist, was also baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was much water there. And people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with the Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you, Jesus, beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. You can kind of see what uh, John's disciples are saying. They're saying, hey, remember that guy you testified about that, that the one that you're preparing the way for, everybody's going out to him to be baptized uh, by him now. And it, it's almost kind of like they're, they're like, wait, what, what about us? You know, everybody's now going to, to Jesus and, and being baptized by, by him and his disciples. And look what John answers. It's, it's so profound. It's a beautiful answer. He says this, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear, hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. You see what John is saying? His disciples are, are, are telling him, hey, everybody's going out to Jesus now. And he's like, hold on a second. I already told you, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one who's coming to save the world. I'm not the one who's going to release everybody from sin. I'm preparing the way for him, and I've done that. I've prepared the way. It's my time to take a back seat and let Christ come forward and let him take control. I've, do I've done my role, and now it's time for Jesus to take over. John understand his position, understood his position. He understood that there was going to be a time where Christ was going to have to, to take over. And, and John prepared that way beautifully for him. And then it was time for Jesus to come and start his ministry and change the world. And, and folks, it could have been so easy for John to say, actually, you know what? I am the Christ. Look, I'm over here. I am the Christ. I am the one who's coming to save the world. But he didn't. He didn't take that credit. He didn't try to. He understood his role and then allowed Christ to take over. It's a beautiful answer. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He understood that Christ is more important than anybody or anything. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is actually not the first time that John said something like this. Back in John chapter 1, some people basically asked who he was, the priest and the Levites. And, and he responds basically again saying, I'm not the Christ. That's not me. I'm simply preparing the way for him. And then he says this, some amazing words again. John answered them saying, I baptize in water, 
But among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. John said, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus' sandals. That's how inferior I am to him. That's how great he is. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. Such a simple act, but he's not even worthy to do that, he says. John showed true self-denial by accepting an inferior position to Jesus Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, am I accepting that position too? Am I allowing Christ to take control of my life? And am I allowing him to increase or am I allowing me to increase? John said he must increase, but I must decrease. And that's where we have to get to as well. Number two, self-denial understands that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. These are Paul's words in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This kind of echoes the point we were talking about a few minutes ago with taking up your cross, dying to yourself. Paul is saying, my, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's left there at the cross. And it's no longer I who controls my life, but it's Christ who's living in me now. He's taken control of my life. My old sinful ways have been put to death, and I'm walking in a new way by faith in Jesus Christ. Because he loved me and he gave himself for me. But something so important to look at is Paul's former life, obviously. He, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, the persecutor of the church. You remember in Acts chapter 8, he approved of the stoning of Stephen. In Acts chapter 8, it says he ravaged the church. In Acts 22, verses 3 and 5, it shows that Paul found his, Saul found his identity in his Jewish heritage. And then in 1 Timothy, he actually calls himself the foremost or chief of sinners. We remember Paul's background as the uh, Saul, the persecutor of the church who was an enemy of Christ, the enemy of the church. But what happened? Acts chapter 9, Jesus met him on the, the road to Damascus. Saul was on his way to persecute the church and Jesus stopped him right in his tracks, right? And for three days, Saul fasted, but then he became a Christian. And his life was never the same. From that point on, he proclaimed Jesus Christ. He lived for Jesus Christ. And in fact, in that chapter, in Acts chapter 9, what we see from, from Saul, right after he meets Christ and he fasts for three days and then he's baptized, here's what we see. Now for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus and immediately he, he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Saul went from a persecutor of the church to a proclaimer of Jesus Christ and a member of the church within days, literally within days. And from this point on, everything was about Jesus Christ. Everywhere he went, he went preaching. Everywhere he went, he went telling others about how Jesus Christ had changed him and how he could change them. He changed his identity for a new one in Jesus Christ. We don't have time this morning to look, but I challenge you to go look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. Paul talks about how everything he had that was a gain to him, he counted as loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. 
and that he wanted to know Christ more than anything else and to attain the resurrection more than anything else. Please go read that. It's some beautiful verses in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. But the point is, Paul showed self-denial by changing his old identity for a new one in Jesus Christ. He was living in his sinful ways, and then he allowed Christ to change his life. Are we allowing that too? Are we allowing Christ to take over our lives and give us a new identity found in him and him only? So, self-denial understands it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Thirdly, self-denial recognizes that God exalts those who humble themselves under his mighty hand. These are Peter's words in 1 Peter verses 5, 5 through 6. It says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You see that? That God is opposed to the proud. Those who are prideful are completely against God and his nature. I mean, th- think about what, what pride really is. Pride, again, is, is a focus on the self, is a focus on our goals, our accomplishments, and, and who we are. Pride pushes everybody out, including who? God. If all we can think about is ourself, if all we can think about is, is our wants and our desires, we've pushed everyone out, including God. And God is opposed to that type of person because they've made no room for him in their life. They've made absolutely no room for his work in them. If all we can do is focus on ourselves, then God God is opposed to us. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. Those who are, are humble. You ever thought about what it means to be humble? It's kind of a a hard thing to to define you know when we say hey what does it mean to be humble it's well it's to show humility well what does it mean to show humility well it means to be humble you know it's kind of a hard thing to to define i found a good quote from this booklet that a a lot of this material came from and it it says this being humble is a correct estimation of who you are in the light of who god is it's a correct estimation of who you are in the light of who god is And basically what that's saying is when we basically take inventory of our lives in comparison to God, we will realize just how small and sinful and in need we are. I love that song, in need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from above that we've been singing. We are desperately in need of God. And when we take that a true look at ourselves in comparison to the Creator, we see just how much we are in need, how much we can't rely on ourselves. And so that's what really humbleness means. And I also think humbleness carries this idea or humility carries this idea of thinking of ourselves less. And I know we've heard this quote, I think David mentioned it last month, that it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less of the time. We can be, again, so self-absorbed and thinking about ourselves all the time. But humbleness, humility says, I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about others, and I'm going to think about God. And that type of person, God shows grace to. He's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, what's really important about this is to consider who wrote these words. It's the Apostle Peter. 
And when you think about this, Peter had many experiences of being humbled. So many times throughout the scripture, we could see that Peter kind of learned the hard way. And we already referenced one where, where Jesus had to tell him, get behind me, Satan, because you're not thinking on God's thoughts, you're thinking on man's thoughts. That was one of those times. But I think about when, when Peter walked on water and everything was going great and then he took his eyes off and he fell and, and Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It took great faith to step out there, but his wa faith wavered and he fell. I think about the time when Jesus said, you're going to deny me, Peter. And he said, no, I never will. I'll never deny you. And what happens hours later, before the rooster crows, Peter denied him three times. He had to learn the hard way. Peter knew what it was like to, to kind of put his foot in his mouth. That's kind of what we know him for. He did step up and show great faith, but many times he had to learn the hard way. And after all of these experiences that Peter had, he finally learned what it meant to be humble. And he wrote about it right here. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He showed uh, he showed humbleness by learning it through experience. It took him many times to finally come to understand, I've got to be humble. And eventually, you know what? God exalted him at the proper time. And Peter was restored and became the first gospel preacher. He gave that sermon in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were baptized. So Peter showed self-denial by becoming humble through experience. And I wonder... Are we learning from our mistakes? Are we learning from our experiences that I may need to be more humble? I may, I may need to, to stop speaking before I think, or I may need to stop doing some type of thing and, and be more humble. Think about God and think about others before I act. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. Finally, self-denial willingly and repeatedly prays, not my will, but yours be done. And I think we all understand that these words are the words of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was in intense agony and distress because of what he was about to suffer. He was about to undergo a, a flogging, a crucifixion, and bearing the sins of the world. And he would have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was in agony. And, and Luke tells us that his sweat drops became as blood. He was struggling. And he said these words, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. What Jesus is saying basically is, if there's any other way, Father, is there any other way for this to be accomplished, for, for the salvation of mankind to be accomplished? But you know what? It's not my will, but yours be done. Jesus Christ submitted to the Father's plan, submitted to the Father's will, even though it was so difficult, even though it was so painful and hard, he decided to submit to God's will and say, it's not my will, but yours be done. Jesus could have checked out and said, I, I can't do this. I'm not going to, but he stuck with his Father's will, said, it's not my will, but yours be done, and he went through with it because that's what God had planned. That's what God had planned. And this, to me, is, is self-denial at its finest because if anybody had the right to think about themselves in this moment, it's Jesus. I mean, he's about to bear the sins of the world. He's in utter agony, but he's thinking about me and you, and he's thinking about the Father's plan. And so Jesus demonstrated self-denial and his willingness to put his Father's will first. And really, when you think about it, Jesus' entire life 
was about following the Father's plan, following the Father's will. What about yours and mine? Is our life a life of saying, not my will, but yours be done? Or is it my will be done? And your will be put maybe second or third, you know? Our lives have to be a life just like Jesus Christ that says, not my will, but yours. And we find his will right here in the pages of the Bible. And that's what we have to say to God. Not mine, but yours. So, that's the, those are the four ways how we can better be able to deny ourselves. I want to point back to Luke cha- uh, uh, the text. And we looked at Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus says, deny yourselves and take up your cross. Well, Luke has a parallel account of this in Luke chapter 9. And he actually adds a word that's really important for us here. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 says this, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Did you, you, you catch the word there, and I've highlighted it. Take up your cross daily. This is not just something that we do, denying ourselves, dying to ourselves. It's not just something we do one time. Absolutely, it takes place at the waters of baptism where we put on Christ. That is an act where it happens. But it's a continual thing that we do every single day. We don't just say, hey, I've been baptized and I've denied myself here and I'm done. No, it's it's a lifestyle. It's who we are. We take up our cross daily and say, it's not about me. It's about the Father. And what he can do in me. And when we have that type of attitude, folks, God can do amazing things in us. Because remember, he's opposed to the proud. He's opposed to those who won't humble themselves. So we have to think about doing this every single day. It's a conscious decision to say, not my will, but yours be done every single day. It's our way of life, or at least it should be. And I hope that is, that's going to be your life from here on out and we're going to stumble we're going to fall but God has grace on us if we will submit to him last thing I want to say is we have to get to the point where we realize this life is about him Matthew chapter 10 verse 24 says this a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master we are his disciples we are his servants he is our master he is our teacher we're not above him He has to be number one. And I hope we can all get to that at some point. I know some of you are are there and and you're continuing in this amazing life of submitting to Jesus Christ. But if you've been struggling with that, we hope that you'll come forward this morning. We'd love to pray with you and for you and help you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him. It's a struggle. It's been a struggle in my life to continually deny myself But that's what Jesus Christ calls for. And it's going to take work. If you've never denied yourself and submitted to him in the waters of baptism, we'd love to to baptize you this morning. And you can become a Christian and start living this life of denying yourself. It's the greatest way to live. It's the best way to live. And you will be so much better for it if you deny yourself for him. If you have any need this morning, please come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.